Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spiritual Insights and the latest installment in our Masterclass Educational Series, Guidance from Spirit, Channeled Messages from Beyond the Veil. I'm joined today by my special guest co-host, Danielle Gibbons, who has served as channel for Mother Mary since 1994, allowing Mother, in her distinct voice, to speak and guide humans, human beings directly. Danielle and Mother Mary join me on the second Wednesday of each month at 3 p.m. Eastern. After a brief discussion with Danielle, she will allow Mother to come through to speak on a variety of topics. Today's topic is all forms of love. Please note that we do not take live calls from listeners during segments with Mother Mary, and she will come through and give her discourse, and I will try to represent the listeners to the best of my ability with questions. Danielle has served and assisted people worldwide to connect with Mother's love and grace. Together, they inspire individuals to awaken and expand their consciousness through best-selling courses, life-changing retreats, radio appearances, and online events. A beautiful compilation of love, building a relationship with yourself that will transform your life. The book's chapters provide a manual to assist the reader on a journey from darkness to the light of the deepest form of love, the unconditional love of self. Through the book, Mother Mary tackles a variety of topics for spiritual growth and living. You can purchase the book and learn more about Danielle and Mother's courses, events, and classes at BelovedPublications.com. Mother Mary is offering a special five-part series to empower you to heal whatever you feel needs healing in your life. Join Mother as she pours her love into your being to awaken, cherish, and connect your consciousness to the whole of yourself. This new class begins very soon, and we'll have Danielle speak a little bit more about it when we bring her on the air. If you'd like to follow Mother's teachings more closely, Danielle also appears on Conscious Talk Radio on the second Friday of each month. Visit ConsciousTalk.net to access those appearances. As well, visit Mother Mary channel on YouTube to access tremendously profound videos of Mother speaking yet another variety of topics, and Mother informs me that she never duplicates. So there is so much material to go through, and that is something I have uh, made a part of my routine. So join me in welcoming Danielle back to the show. Hello, Danielle. Welcome back. Hey, Charlotte. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. Always, always. And it always surprises me how time flies. So I know. <laughs> it's true. My it's goodness. True. My goodness. So do you want to talk a little bit more about the new series uh, classes that you'll be starting soon? Yeah, I do. I'm really excited. Um, 
so basically this is an opportunity for people to receive uh, mother's healing energy her her deep deep love and grace and the outpouring of that into the individual and you can take one class two classes or you know or five what however many one or all five and I have priced them. Mother asked me to price them very modestly. They're only $15 a class. So that's, this is one of my sort of annual kind of um, classes where I try to make it very, very accessible and affordable to everybody and anybody. Um, and Mother has asked that if you do attend, that you bring with you sort of an idea of what what you want to heal. She wants this to be a co-creation with the people who attend. So, uh, you know, and it can be anything um, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. If you want to heal your relationship to money, uh, a particular relationship, uh, you know, that you have with someone in your life. So it's really... um, it's up to you, the indiv- or the the person who's attending. It's up to that individual as to what they want to focus all that energy that's going to be given on, or where they want to focus it. Uh-huh. So you can go to register. You can go to my website, belovedpublications.com, and click on events and classes at the top, and you will see those um, all the links. Uh, to to register, but make sure you each class you can register separately. So make sure you recognize which class you're uh, registering for. And the first one begins next Tuesday, the uh, the 18th at 4:30 Pacific time, 7:30 Eastern Standard Time. Mhm. And. Again, this is like a webinar that you're doing on learnitlive.com? Correct. Yes. Yes, correct. I also want to add that um, we've been doing these segments for a year now, and on my website, spiritualinsightsradio.com, if you're new to the show, there is a complete list of archives of mothers' talks on a variety of subjects. Very fascinating, and um, do, do check that out when you get a moment. Okay, so today's topic is all forms of love, and it's been interesting as I go through my thoughts to see what I wanted to say about that. And Mm -hmm. so for several days, I've been rolling around in my mind, and of course, my my thoughts went directly to relationships, and Mm -hmm. specifically like romantic relationships and family relationships, all different types of relationships. And as I was thinking about it, you know, they come in a variety of forms. So then I was thinking about, you know, the different forms that it it presents as. And then I got to the level of, we'll take a look at content and form. Because no matter how Mm -hmm. love presents itself to you, it's still a reflection of an original love inside us, which is God's love. And so for me, in my personal life, I've had a rather interesting and often very intense journey to discovering that very love within my heart and recognizing its reflection outside of me. And a lot of times I would think that, you know, it wasn't being reflected, but 
something was being reflected. And as I learned to receive God's love, because I was in a, a very uh, deep space of like self-denial and um, feeling that um, I was being denied by God. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really mm-hmm. felt that he didn't like me or something like that. And right. <laughs> when I started, as, as I learned to open up and receive that, which it's, it's, it's already there, you just have to connect to it. Then I started, I started to see it as my natural inheritance. And then I started to grow out of that belief that I was being denied all those years because mm. of the experiences I had or the conditions of my life. And then as that grew, then the reflection shifted to match that truth. Where I went wrong was I started to see people outside of me as a source of love instead of that source within. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely, so, definitely. That was a big learning experience for me. And I, and I hope yeah. to learn more. It's something that I never want to stop learning about. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think that it's, it's very easy, or maybe the way we're all brought up, I don't know, but I think it's easy to take the love that is naturally occurring inside of us and channel that into other people, uh, into maybe our outside endeavors to the best of our ability. But, you know, we're cha- channeling that love to, into ourselves or, or being able to feel it inside ourselves is not something most of us are taught from the cradle to do. And so, you know, it's, it's hard not, it's hard to, to I think, it's, it's hard to first understand the unconditional love of God or spirit. Um, that seems so bizarre. It seems like we don't, because from our perspective, like you were saying, maybe God just doesn't like me very much because all these mm-hmm. things keep happening. And it, it's hard to, to recognize that that is unconditional love because we put so many conditions on love and we're taught, to, uh-huh. you know, we're, we're, and the biggest conditions I think we put on ourselves in what we're allowed to receive, you know, how much love we're allowed to have, to feel. Um, and, and that is a, uh, for me has been a big, learning curve and in really embracing, uh, you know, the unconditional love of spirit or for me, it's mother um, and, and recognizing all the conditions that I, that I put on love that makes it hard to receive that divine love. What kind of conditions would you tend to place? Because that was something I was thinking about in terms of, uh, unconditional love and conditions. There's also boundaries, and so I was yeah. basically making a distinction between, you know, loving unconditionally, but then we have to teach people how to treat us. And and like you, that's a great right. great question. How much are we allowed to feel? How much are we allowed to receive? So we have to yeah. look at that and and determine what we're allowing or denying within ourselves to allow that to come back to us as we send it out. So could right. you name a couple, like, conditions to love, such as? Gosh, um, well, for me, Only okay, if they give I'll, me what I want. They got to buy me stuff, you know, whatever. The, yeah, I'll, well, I'll make a real simple one for myself, right? <clears throat> so 
as you know from my book, um, you know, I'm a recovering food addict, and so I have had a lifelong uh, difficulty with food. And a, a big part of that was when I was eating well and I was losing weight and, you know, my body was the quote-unquote correct size, then I was a good girl. And when I was binging and gaining weight, I was a bad girl. So, you know, that, and, and bad girls don't get to be loved. They don't deserve love. Uh, they don't, you know, so there, that was a, con, a constant condition that I placed on myself. Um, nobody placed it on me because my parents didn't feel that way about my eating at all. Um, mm-hmm. When I was young, I was very thin, so nobody knew I had an, a problem with food. And, and, you know, so all that I put on myself. Um, and it was, a, it was a, a, that one condition, and there are many more, but that one condition had a stranglehold on my ability to receive love and then, of course, give love um, and I started to look through the lens of that good girl, bad girl, you know. So if people were being nice to me, then they, they deserve my love. And if they were not being nice to me, then they deserve my, either my indifference or my anger or, you know, it, it was these conditions and perception um, because now I realize that I can, and this is where the boundary comes in, I can love someone else as a fellow human being, a fellow traveler on this path, but I don't necessarily need to be in a relationship with them or to spend my time with them if they're not someone who's willing to honor me as I am or they're willing to accept me as I am or, you know, that kind of thing. But I can still feel love for them because they're, they're another individual. They're a human being worthy of love. So, you know, that's been a really really big shift for me. So those are some of my conditions that I've placed on love. What about you? Me? I think I nailed it when I said that I had to look at myself as um, having that source of love within me. And because I was looking for it outside of me and denying it myself, so I experienced a lot of conflict. And so I would set up Mm. rules, so to speak, you know, but they were still conditioned. And one of the main conditions was kindness. Like you just said, like you really just triggered that. And so what I was really seeking was kindness and acceptance. And Mm -hmm. so, but, but I think the, the, the underlying condition that doesn't make its way to your, your conscious awareness is that if I was going to be in a relationship with somebody, they had to boost my self-esteem because I couldn't do it myself. And so that responsibility on them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a mm-hmm, that was a big one. Oh my gosh, I was always looking yes. for that uh, from other people. You're right, and uh, that is a huge burden to place on someone else or, or a responsibility, sure you know, mm-hmm. and an expectation. And of course, everybody fell short because my self esteem was like you know so low. <laughs> you had yes. to put it on a scale. It was like a negative number. Right. And then they also had to provide what I felt I had been denied by like family and parents, um, given that horrible dynamic of a family that 
um, is riddled with um, torment and dysfunction and attack. It was just constant mm-hmm. attack. And so I, I wanted from other people, friends included, what I, what I wasn't given where, let me say it this way, where my demands were not met in the family dynamic. So I wanted yeah. respect. I wanted the kindness I mentioned. I wanted loyalty. I wanted um, encouragement and support. And so these would be demands I would place on any, any relationship, no matter what form it took, whether it's family, friends, romantic, work. This is what we tend to project outwards because that's the void yeah. we feel inside. And then yep. because of that self-denial of not being able to look at our own self-worth and see us, see ourselves for who we are as children of God and worthy of that undying, unchanging love, then we're going to see reflections of that denial. And that's where yeah. we kind of get into sticky situations of this person doesn't love me as much as they should, the way they should. Right. In the manner they, and they're not meeting my demands. And so in not meeting those conditions, then we feel disappointed (laughs) in love. But the, but the funny thing is, is that I heard myself saying to someone once, I guess they had gotten out of a relationship that from the outside I saw to be rather dysfunctional. And um, I think they were codependent around a substance or Mm -hmm. something, but she said to me, you know, love hurts. And I said, no, love doesn't hurt. Illusions do. And when those illusions shatter that we place on our relationships, that's where we experience that disappointment, the pain. And um, it it was one of those moments where something comes out of your mouth that you've never heard before. So the other person is kind of startled by it, and so are you. (laughs) You Yeah, Yeah, but that's so true. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. And then... What can be painful once you recognize those illusions and, you know, and, and how you built them up and how you, you know, created them in the first place. Then for me, what often would follow is the feeling that I don't even know what love is. Like, what am I doing? I don't even trust myself to choose, uh, you know, someone. Uh, and I wanted to just comment on a little wicked twist then I would give my own relationships when I would expect I like to use the word <laughs> the um, demands on the other mm-hmm. person I just had this I had this vision of, of really holding the relationship holding the other person hostage you know like until you meet my demands you know you're 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 in a hostage kind of situation and exactly what I would what I would do is a kind of a wicked twist is I would make all those demands or I would want them, you know, inside myself. I would want that person to fulfill those demands. But I would end up choosing people who were incapable, really, of, of um, you know, supporting me or, or uh, encouraging mm-hmm. me in that, in that respect, but would actually be better at, kind of tearing me down or chipping away at what, you know, what little self-esteem I had because that's really how I felt about myself. So I couldn't attract anything really other than that. You know, if, you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're someone who thinks the basic laws of attraction, you know, it, it's hard. Or if I would attract someone 
who had the power or the or the enthusiasm to think I was, you know, so fabulous and really shore me up. I didn't want them. I was I always thought they were like, you know, I just wasn't attracted to them or thought, eh, well who are they and why are they why are they so enthusiastic about me? What do they want? They want something. <laughs> right. I don't trust that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of a not much of a win-win situation for me. Yes. And, you know, as I would observe my life and then sit and analyze it, which I was always prone to, and I still do it. I like to break it down and understand it. Um, a lot of times, like you said, you, you choose people who are either emotionally unavailable or um, I want to say it this way. Whatever we feel our parents did not give us, we we mm-hmm. try to procure through other people. So whether that's yeah. the acceptance or, you know, any of the things that I mentioned, a lot of times you may find if you look back into your, you know, relationship repertoire, your history, that a, there has to be, I would say one person who either, you know, looks like daddy and feels like mommy or the or the reverse of that, whichever one was dominating. Mm-hmm the relationship and then and then you look around you and you're like oh I did it anyway I said I'd never do this and never be with someone my parent and and then because that's struggling with that's what you attract because that's the reflection trying to show you what you're denying in yourself but where's the manual like you're not taught from the cradle type of thing it's very interesting so what I did was I went back into my um notes that I would take years ago on this because as I was starting to think about God's love, I was like, there was a lot of things said. So I I uh, printed out some excerpts, and this is something that Jesus said to me back in the, in the very beginning. Opening your heart does not allow others to hurt you. It allows God's love for you to enter it. How can this hurt? This is what is behind, seeing your outside, reflecting your inner. You see many reflections in your life because you give pure love to others. This is reflected also, no? But imagine what your life would reflect when you allow yourself to receive, capital letters, God's love. What miracles then, my child? And so all of the conflict that we experience is really just a bright flashing red light thing in you that you were cutting off or placing in the shadows in the hopes that someone outside of you will triumph over it and love you the way you demanded. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I, I put the same conditions on, on my relationship to mother or, you know, to God as a whole. Uh, I wanted God to be like Santa Claus. You know, I would make my metaphysical wish list of what I wanted or my demands, right? <laughs> so I would, right. and I would be so, upset and disappointed and angry when, you know, God didn't, well, like Santa Claus, I didn't wake up Christmas morning and everything I wanted wasn't underneath the Christmas tree. And it took me a while to realize that that's what I was doing. And, ooh, that was, that was a big, like, period of mature, spiritual maturity for me uh, mm-hmm. because once I stopped once I let go of that condition on uh, on God, 
for uh, how I wanted God to be. Uh, everything changed for me in my relationship with spirit. I mean, my my depth of connection with mother just went so deep when mm. I realized that she was not uh, a genie, you know, and was not granting wishes. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was wonderful. And it freed me, too, of a lot of the conditions that I, like you said, then I started to see how I was placing those same conditions on my friendships and my, you know, my love relationships, my, you know, romantic relationships. And I kept going back to my mother and, and wanting her to kind of redo things and, you know, be different and all that. And it was mm-hmm. exhausting. Yes, and there's a, certain, there's a certain level of triumph I think we, we aim for and, and try to achieve where I think, well, number one, the, the word is expectations that I want to throw out there, that we have such high expectations, even of God, that when they're yes. not met, then, okay, then I must not be worthy, which is right. a normal response, just, just not the right one. But then <laughs> I think, you know, we feel a sense of triumph. If we get someone to love us the way we want them to, then we've overcome our parents. And like, see, yeah. I am worthy, you know, and, and like you have right. something to prove. And right. whether your perception of the situation is correct or not, in some people's cases, their actual perception is correct that there there was something not right in that dynamic. But like I always say to people, you know, our parents love us in the best way they know how. And right. a lot of times we don't have either the vocabulary or the courage to say, this is what I expect from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And even if we could say that, there here comes that list of demands, and 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 what can you do? But I think that um, there's another dynamic where, again, with expectations, where we attach hope to it like a false hope, and we are drawn to people who are emotionally distant or unavailable. Um, not interested, whatever creates that dynamic of keeping you stuck in that yearning and then your Mm -hmm. ego fixates on somebody and it becomes like an obsession. And then in our minds, we tell ourselves we're in love with that person, but we cannot be, and I don't want to put too much into it because I I know there's a better answer, but it seems to me to be more of an obsession of the ego to make someone quote the object of your desire and then mm, to fall yeah. into that wish and that dream, and it puts you through a lot of turmoil, wanting, wanting right. to be with somebody who, who can't return that. And so we, we tend to choose people like that to keep ourselves in that state of constantly yeah. reaching and struggling yeah. for that. Because perhaps in, somewhere in our minds we think that if it's, if it's a big struggle, then the prize is that much more, that much greater when right. we win it. Right. Yeah. And then true, we can pat true. ourselves on the back and feel good about ourselves finally. When it's yeah. actually the reverse, the process is you have to understand God's love and stand in his love by yourself before you can stand in God's love with another. Another yeah, another scenario another scenario that I've experienced and that many of my clients and, and many of the listeners have experienced is in response to hurt we tend to shut our hearts down. And now when you shut down the heart center it makes it even more difficult for it to process that energy of love. And, and my clients well know 
money, energy, and, of course, their self-love. But what happens often for some people is someone comes along, and you could be indifferent to um, having a relationship and just want to be by yourself, or you can um, just be kind of shut off from it. It's only going to happen again. You're afraid the past is going to repeat itself until you close down. Even though all the while you're still wishing for the one thing you're de- you're denying yourself, and then someone comes along and takes you by surprise, and what the effect is is they actually get you to open your heart. The hard part of that is is that it, there's no guarantee that they're meant to stay, and so that might create a a similar dynamic. But I think God loves us so much that He wants us to keep our hearts open. Right, and right. and has to send these people to teach us that very valuable lesson. It's just that we have to really forgive the circumstance where we can be grateful that our heart opened and yet forgive that the outcome didn't turn out the way we hoped or expected. I just right. that's a very important scenario for some people to understand. Perhaps do you have something you would like to add to that? Have you experienced that? Oh God, yes! Oh my gosh, so many times, <laughs> so many times. But I think that what I'm what I'm starting to unravel, and this, and it's still kind of new for me. But I'm trying to separate out uh, love from uh, from hurt, meaning that the hurt is sort of my human perception of. Uh, people coming into my life, people leaving my life, um, people behaving the way people are people are normally going to behave, uh, people's own limitations, you know, all of that is actually just that. It, it, that's not really what love is about. And because when you talk about closing your heart because of hurt. You know, I've done that so many times that I really only end up uh, not just hurting myself, but sometimes uh, dismantling uh, efforts that I've made uh, or strides forward that I've made. You know, that whole one step forward, two steps back. It seems to me when I shut, when I close my heart because I'm afraid of being hurt again, um, you know, I, I am, that's for me the two steps back. And yet, it's the love, it's the energy of love that's going to heal that hurt so much more quickly. And I don't mean finding somebody else. I don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the energy of love, like the pure and simple, not necessarily attached to anyone or anything. And when mm-hmm. I shut down my heart, when I close my heart based on hurt, particularly in a relationship, or, you know, my expectations not being met, then, you know, I'm closing myself off from the very thing, the one thing that's going to heal the hurt, get me moving forward again, uh, give me a better perspective on whatever happened. Uh, it's, and I'm, so I'm starting to separate love out to where it's, it's sort of this... Um, it's not an on-again, off-again energy. I'm equating it more um, like 
the way I feel about mother. Like now I know she's always there for me. Like she never abandons me. And if I don't feel her, it's because I've stepped away from her rather than her stepping away from me. So that mm-hmm. took years for me to get clear on and get really solid on that, you know, it's going to be okay because she's always there for me. So I'm starting now to uh, cultivate that same practice in relation to love. Because I don't, I got, I'm tired of love being or love feeling like this on again, off again thing or this thing that has to come only if I'm uh, active with another person or particularly in a romantic relationship. Like it's, it's just, that doesn't feel right to me anymore. That doesn't resonate. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, um, to separate it out from the human behaviors. Does that, right. that make sense? All of it. That was beautiful. Okay. So Good. what I want to go, I want to jump on the word resonate. And so, like you said, you need the love is what heals the hurt that you're feeling. And yeah. it's like shedding light on shadow. And yeah. what that does then is it raises the vibration. So in order to see that, reflected back to you in in whatever you attract you have to raise that vibration and that's what we do largely on the show with the energetic healers and the the um the psychics that we have and we're trying to get people to elevate their vibration so that they can attract what they want into their lives but it takes forgiveness and it takes clarity and it takes self-awareness but i want to ask a question i this is something i gleaned from the notes that i've taken over the past few days and i plan to present it to mother but I want to present it to you because I love your take on these things so thank you you're welcome so here's the question love do you consider that to be an emotion or a state of consciousness a state of consciousness definitely Mm -hmm. to me it's a state of consciousness that translates into emotions right so that state of being can trigger the emotion of happiness and all the different sort of subsidiary, you know, emotions that come from happiness, uh, peaceful feeling, serenity, contentment, uh, that feeling that I'm in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time with the right people. Uh, you know, love is, um, and and that's how I feel about fear. I, uh, Mother teaches, and I this what agrees with me, Fear is also can be more of a state of being as well, as opposed to an emotion. Um, she talks about there really only being three emotions, happy, angry, sad, and all the different things that come from those three main emotions. But that love and fear are, are two, their states of being. Because, you know, when I'm in love, and not, I don't mean in love with another person, but when I'm in that energy of love, it is a state of being. It permeates everything, like everything. You know, what I, what I eat, who I spend my time with, how creative I am, uh, my patience level with uh, my son and myself and, you know, how I treat myself. All, I mean, it's just everything. And when I'm in a state of fear, same thing. So, it, you know, it it's those two states of being trigger and a myriad of, of, of emotions and other feelings, right? A lot of other feelings. 
uh, when I'm in the state of fear, I worry. I worry all the time. I worry about things that are, oh my God, when I stand back, they're, they're silly. I'm like, why am I even thinking about this? This is just a, this is an old, crazy fear-based thought pattern. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. That's my experience with with that. That's so beautiful. I want to reiterate it so that people can write it down. Um, generally, the segments on the show are like workshops, then, and people always have pen and paper. So let me reiterate that real quick, and, and then you, I'm going to ask you to clarify. So, love and fear, mother states are states of being, and by your description, they can trigger a myriad of other feelings or emotions, and and I'll say thoughts too. And so you said happy, sad, and angry are the primary emotions, and then from them we can experience the others, like you said, worry. And then I added under the angry umbrella, revenge thoughts, attack, um, what do you call yeah, it, indemnifying blame. yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blame, shame, guilt. And then so did I get that correctly? Happy, sad, and angry are the three primary emotions from yeah. which others can stem. Okay. I love yeah. that. Okay. Hopefully everybody understood that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's because it's like primary colors, you know. You you have the kind, of, and then you can mix them because if you're angry, sad, like that could be a whole a whole different, uh, you know, shade of of emotion. Um, and so there's a, yeah, it's which is why you know you can be in love with someone. And in the moment, be so angry with them, you want to wring their neck. But you still love them. You know, you're still in love with them. But you're just mm-hmm. pissed off at them. So, you know, yeah. you're still in that general state of being with them. But you're just having an emotion based on whatever interaction you just had. Absolutely. And I, I have a high standard. That's another thing. Standards in relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I am fiercely against name calling, uh, putting people down. I like I yeah. that list of demands that that respect, and yeah. and so that's what I would offer. And then it would hurt the most when someone didn't give that back to me after I had mm. maintained that level so consistently. In fact, one person decided that, and I had to figure out for myself to present it like like what is this? What is it with you? Because it was a that relationship was rather push pull. Mm-hmm. There was definite attraction. I would say there was definitely love, but there was something that was making the guy so afraid. I'm like, what what is wrong? How do I fix this? I finally said to him, you know what I think? I think you either think I'm a liar or I'm too good to be true. That I can't be this nice. That I can't be this honest or trustworthy yeah. or kind. And his eyes just went as wide as saucers, and all I could do was not. Yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. Not to help the situation, but it, I mean, yeah, it was a, a tad satisfying to figure out and get out of that confusion, that state of yeah, confusion. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go anywhere because he would have constantly been waiting for the other shoe to drop. And right. And that's and that's empowering to to then decide. Okay, if this person is incapable of. Um, 
of believing me, you know, of taking me in for who I am, then that's okay. It's not, I find, you know, when you get to that place of realization of what's really going on, especially when the other person has copped to it, which, God, that's glorious, even if I'm the one copping to it, then everybody is more empowered. We can all decide, like, well, is this what I want? And, you know, do I want to continue in this? Is this person, no, no shame. You know, we are where we are, but do I want to continue to spend my time or my life with this person when they're obviously incapable of moving beyond this, uh, like you said with this guy, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Some people can mm-hmm. never get past that. They just can't. And, and it's not because they don't want to love you or they don't want it to work. They just are unwilling to do what it takes to move beyond things that mm-hmm. trip them up every time. Every time. Now, let me turn this around for myself because even as we speak of it, I am getting even more clarity. So there I was in a situation where this person didn't believe me, and that made me feel like a victim. And so then Mm. I felt it was my um, obligation to prove to him who I was. Well, who was I really trying to prove this to? Mm. Was I worthiness to him or was I trying to prove it to me? Yeah. And so that takes it to another deeper level where this person showed up to open up my heart and taught me probably the most important lesson of my life. Wow. And that was for me to believe who in who I was. Yeah. Although it was very disappointing and painful for the person I wanted to be with to see it as a deception. Yeah, but what a you gift, know? man. What a gift. And, and and you know what feels good that that the way that popped into my mind after hearing you talk about it. Well, mm. I think Mother's going to have some interesting things to say. I believe so. Shall we bring her through? Let's do that because I know you're pressed for time and we're yeah. getting close to the top of the hour. Okay, thank okay. you, and I'll Hold talk on. to you when you get yeah. back. All right. Okay. Perfect. Hold on. Hello, beloved one. My blessed mother, hello and welcome. Mm, Thank you, my dear. It is always an honor to serve you and all those that listen. Mm? Mm. Yes. So, we are going to talk about my very, very favorite, favorite subject. Mm? Okay. Love. Of course, uh, pretty much everything I talk about is uh, really has love at the heart of it, regardless of the words that are used or the topic itself. 
And always, always, I want to bring all of you back to love. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, just love in and of itself, all right? Mm-hmm. So what I would like for your listeners to do, to think about, to contemplate, uh, not now, but when they have a quiet moment, to sit down and do a little bit of automatic writing. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a type of channeling where you get to sort of channel yourself or your own uh, spirit guides, your own spirit, uh, depending on what comes out of the pen and onto the paper. So you want to sit down, you want to bring yourself to a meditative place, And you hold your pen lightly, put it on the paper, and with your eyes sort of uh, half open, half closed, you just start writing whatever comes out. And you want to try to keep your pen moving across the paper, even if you're just making loops, waiting for words to come through. And I want you to write about love. Let your soul write to you about love, what love is to you. You've heard me in the past talk about perception. Well, your perception of love is vital to your understanding. And when you do automatic writing, it's easy to uh, get past the gatekeeper that is the mind and get deeper into your soul, your intuition, whatever words you want to use to describe that energy within you that is all about your own evolution, your own growth, your own guidance, your true north, right? So you write about what you believe love to be, what you need love to be for you, how you feel about love, anything that comes out of the pen, uh, from inside of you, through the pen and your hand and onto the paper. Because when you practice diving into love, just as a pure energy, right? So think about love not so much as attached to anyone or anything, but think of love as its own energy, right? Mm-hmm. So the way I like to describe the light is that the light is... Um, in many ways, the way the human experiences light is that it's a combination of that pure white light of creation mixed with love, right? So if you were just to talk about the pure white light of love, uh, excuse me, the pure white light of creation, that is uh, not really... Um, doesn't have emotions attached to it. 
it doesn't have expectations, it doesn't have, it's not in any kind of box. It, the pure white light of creation contains as much shadow, the, the human perception of shadow, as it does the human perception of light. All right? So it's that energy of creation that, um, and now take the words I'm about to use and feel them with your soul rather than your mind, all right? The pure white light of creation doesn't care if you are happy or sad, if you have uh, some money or no money, if you live on the streets or in a house. Um, the white light of creation is all about creation, expansion, movement, it is that energy that creates stars and planets and universes inside of universes all the way down to that smallest speck of sand. It is the energy that science is discovering how it works, atoms and electrons and all these things. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. But when, when white light is channeled through the human body, the human mind, the human filter, uh, it runs right into love. And it has an affinity with love, like an attraction, yes, with the human experience. They go well together. I'm they sorry, Mother, could you work... repeat that? Yes. I, I think we cut out. Could you repeat that, please? Yes, beloved. So when uh, white light of creation and love go well together, they have a symbiotic relationship when it comes to the human reality structure or this third dimension, fourth dimension, these, um, the areas in which humans are, have access to. So that white light of creation, when it joins with love, that's what humans experience as uh, when you talk about the light. We are light workers or uh, you want more light in your life rather than shadow. That's the light that you're talking about where the pure light, white light of creation joins with the energy of love. And what happens with that symbiotic relationship is that it generates an enormous amount of growth and movement. So the white light of creation is very attracted to the energy of love. Those two energies together have their own power. That's why when the poets say that Uh, Love conquers all and love saves the day and anything can be healed through love. That's what we're talking about. That's what's being talked about is that when pure white light of creation joins with the energy of love, and I will tell you that particular kind of energy of love is found uh, here amongst humans 
there are other realities that have similar energy, but it's unique to here, to humans. Mm -hmm. Mm. So when you are writing about your love, your energy of love, Try not to think about it. That's why I want you to do automatic writing so that you don't let the mind or what you think love should be let go of everything that you've been taught about love and just write what love is for you because your perception of love is what is going to support you in this life, right? So when you reach for light, when you transform your shadow into light, you are utilizing that white light of creation and the energy of love combined. That is what transforms the shadow. Now, what that energy of love is for you, the individual, That's what you need to discover so that you can start to let go of um, what I'm going to call the sort of Walt Disney version of love, right? Mm -hmm. But it has to uh, look a certain way. It has to sound a certain way. Um, You want to be careful of that because when you base your ideas about love from outside of yourself, that's risky, very, very risky, because you're always trying to um, sometimes be something you're not or figure that love out so you can fit yourself into it or you can act in a certain way that looks loving to others so they will love you in return, it becomes a huge energy drain. But when you discover what love is for you personally, all of a sudden it becomes much easier to recognize when you're resonating with people and situations that also have the same kind of version of love. And when you join with those people and those situations, then you feel stronger. You can be yourself, even though that self is evolving and might change and transform. Your ideas about love, the way you feel about it, will continue to change and evolve. But what's important is that the people, the creative endeavors, the situations in your life, that they resonate as closely as possible with the energy of love that makes itself known to you. That's when you feel you are supported, you, you don't feel that you're alone or lonely, 
you feel that you have a strong sense of being held, being carried, uh, participating with others in a way that feels useful and powerful and just wonderful. Oh, so this is where the different forms of love comes into play, all right? Okay. Because everyone's been trying to define love forever. And they can, but really only for themselves, right? Um, they can only uh, truly understand how they themselves feel about love or what love means to them. And then act upon that knowing. So when you allow yourself to go deeper, to feel the way love reveals itself to you, you'll notice that there are different forms of love. There are different degrees of love. There are different ways of expressing love. Um, You and Danielle spoke earlier about boundaries. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people often believe based on that Walt Disney version of love and let me just say that I have no uh, problem with Walt Disney they are wonderful wonderful place and if people find pleasure and enjoyment but I'm talking about that old version of love yes that is mm-hmm. very constricting so when uh, people are Focusing on that, um, then love is so very limited and boundaries sound like they're being mean because oftentimes boundaries are about saying no. Boundaries are about saying, look, I need things uh, to be this way. I'm not wanting you to be someone other than you are, but I would prefer that we... And uh, going back to your example, I prefer mm-hmm. that in our conversations we not talk about tearing other people down. I don't want to participate in that. So when mm-hmm. you start speaking that way, I'm going to ask you either to cease and desist or I'm going to tell you that I can't continue the conversation and I'm going to go and do something else. It's nothing against you. It's simply that this is something I cannot participate in for my own happiness. So you've set a boundary. And so many people believe that that is uh, that you're being mean or that they fear that they will perceive, be perceived as being mean or controlling or this or that. And Hello. it's no that mm-hmm. limited. Mm-hmm. It's that limited belief about love. But when you discover what love is for you personally, all of a sudden these different forms of love make sense and they become easier to enact. So maybe setting boundaries is one of those different types of forms that you didn't believe was loving, but all of a sudden when you discover inside self, what you discover is uh, it is loving to set boundaries. So allowing love 
to manifest in its many different forms is a normal uh, aspect to the energy of love. But if you don't take the time to discover what love is for you personally, then you won't recognize those different forms of love when they crop up or when they ask you, uh, please utilize us. We want, you, we want you to use this form of love right now, please, in this situation. But you won't recognize it as love because you are still dependent more predominantly on the outer version of love or what other people have defined as love. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. How does that feel, beloved? It's um, eye-opening. Um, so I'm writing it because you're more dependent on the outer version of love and how others defined it. And that supports um, my my understanding about hopes, expectations, fears, and attachments. So to recognize what love is for you allows you to recognize how it's presenting itself in whatever form so that it can be utilized in its intended purpose. And is that coming from love itself? Yes, indeed. Indeed. And here's a good example, all right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you're in a relationship, a romantic relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And the other person is very good at saying, oh, I love you and I want to stay with you. uh, You're my sun and moon and uh, they talk uh, great, but their actions don't uh, line up with their words meaning maybe uh, they don't really participate in the relationship or they are not uh, willing to be honest within the relationship, Uh, not dishonest, but they are unwilling to share how they are really feeling or what's really going on for them, Mm -hmm. or they make subtle uh, in subtle ways, they try to tear you down. Uh, they make uh, comments that are disparaging or uh, they do not believe ultimately, let's say you are, well, I'm not just talking to you, Charlotte, beloved, but to all the listeners. Uh, let's say that um, they don't believe you to be equal to them uh, intellectually or financially or whatever. And that leaks out all the time in the relationship. But their words are saying, I love you and you're the best and uh, stay with me, don't leave me, don't leave me. Um, And what you're taught is to listen to the words uh, much more closely than the actions and the energy that the person is presenting within the relationship. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm just, of course, I, I get a, a minor pictorial of images in my mind that serve as examples for what you just said and all of the work that it takes, all of the effort that it takes to try to understand it, and, and still there's an unwillingness to really speak 
to, to the point to say what is really going on here? Why do you say one yes. thing and do another? Why yes. why do you why are you always suspicious of me when I have done nothing to uh, pr- provoke or uh, provoke or promote any type of suspicion? Um, you, you know, all of those different scenarios that people can experience where two people are not really in alignment on every level yes. that is required to have that harmony and that um, functionality of a relationship. Am I on the right track yes. here? Yes. And then you get to decide, is this love? Uh, because, yes, the word love is being spoken, um, but what does love mean to me? And if love means to me, for example, that um, it, what you need love to be in a relationship is uh, honesty. People are, who are willing to uh, share themselves to the best of their ability um, mm-hmm. and uh, who, whose words align with their actions, that the energy of love is present. And those are... Uh, a case-by-case basis, relationship-by-relationship. Friends are very similar. If uh, showing up is important to you, if that's what love feels like to you when you show up and they show up, but the friend never calls um, or goes, you call, text, whatever, and they don't return the call for six months or three months, you think, is this really love uh, what is this friendship based on is it based on love and do i need it to be based on love if the answer is yes then is it loving for me my version when someone doesn't show up consistently mm-hmm. right is that really my version of love in a friendship and if the answer is no then you choose your friends accordingly. And just as you choose your lovers or your romantic relationships accordingly, uh, if love for me means that actions need to align with words and that doesn't feel like it's happening, then uh, is this the kind of love that is supportive for me? Uh, Is this the kind of love that feels like Love. So let go of the word. Let go of uh, people's ability to do this outpouring. And you decide what love is for you. And you don't have to... um, And here's where I encourage you not to get caught up in expectation. Because... um, Taking people as they are is very important uh, rather than wanting them to, as you spoke earlier, to uh, accede to your demands of how you want to be treated or whatever. Um, You trust that if you have a really good grounding in what love is for you, you will draw to you those that feel the same and honor that and respect that. So when you're involved in a limited version of love, or you don't even really understand how you feel about love, it's hard 
to let go of all those expectations of wanting other people to act and behave in a way that maybe they are just unable to do. Hmm? Mm. Uh-huh. Knowing how you feel about love saves a lot of time and energy. Would now be a good time to ask a question, Mother? Yes, beloved. I want to go in in this direction where, okay, so uh, many of us are sitting down with ourselves and doing the automatic writing and getting a sense of what love is for us. And so I want to kind of shine a light on those people in relationships that contain some level of abuse. So if they were to sit and say, okay, what is love for me? And then as they become closer to some realization, um, and I need, I'll need to clarify this with you, come to some realization that it must be a mixture of things is beneath the surface or on the surface is, is there some type of distortion taking place where those boundaries are not being set? Those behaviors are being, uh, they're considered acceptable because they stay in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I would think that love is present. Love is present in those, in the dynamics of those relationships, but that it may have become distorted. Could you, Correct my perception, or am I close to well, the this, truth of that? This, uh, distortion is a, is a fine word. Uh, and yes, there is love present on both sides, uh, most certainly. But uh, what can happen is that, again, um, the person who is receiving the abuse has not does not have an understanding of what love means to them. And so they cannot set the boundaries that hold that version in place. Right? Mm-hmm. And boundaries are very energetic. When you feel them, they are set in place. And all of a sudden, the other person who is giving out the abuse, uh, it sort of falls flat at some point. Uh, they just don't accept it anymore because the boundary has been set. And so the abuse can still be given, but it isn't received anymore. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. changes the dynamic of the whole relationship. Uh, sometimes people go on to heal these things on both sides, uh, and sometimes then the relationship uh, shifts Uh, away from each other. But the love is um, because you have discovered what the love feels like inside of you and you are willing to stand by that love. You are willing to align yourself with that love because it feels so natural inside of you, so right inside of you. When you stand by that love, when you align yourself with it, all these fantastic energetic boundaries start to be made. And abuse uh, can no longer uh, sustain itself. It begins to collapse. That energy begins to collapse. Hmm? Almost like hitting the wall of that boundary and falling to the ground at the bottom of it because it can't get through and will not be acknowledged or received, like you said. Correct. And if it is physical abuse, uh, yes, the 
abuse might uh, be put upon the person, the physical person, but the internal self no longer receives the abuse and then tends to move very quickly into that unraveling and, uh, and creating more safety for them and if there are children involved in that dynamic as well. But until the person recognizes what love is for them, what it needs to be for them, uh, then it's hard to separate uh, because oftentimes the one who is giving the abuse is so good at speaking the words. I'm so sorry, Mm -hmm. Uh, I love you, or you know when you do that it makes me so angry and I don't mean to, it just happens, but I love you, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. So it's easy, that's that's the surface, those are words, but they are not actually felt by the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. When yes, so when you dissolve abuse, that only comes when you recognize what love is and what it needs to be for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to set boundaries, as you said, this is a very positive thing to do. Just to reiterate for the listeners, to set a boundary doesn't mean that you don't love unconditionally. You can love without conditions and yet have those protective measures in place, correct? Well, um, yes and no. Uh, I would encourage you, beloved, to let go. That's another kind of fantasy around love, that humans are capable of unconditional love. Oh. Um, So... That's another sort of Walt Disney uh, belief when it comes to humans. Because just let's step back and think about the human condition, all right? In order to survive, you are required to seek food, shelter, clothing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, in order to have the very basics, even if shelter is a cardboard box, and food comes out of the garbage can, um, and clothing uh, comes uh, from the same garbage can, uh, each person requires these basic elements of life, right? And Mm -hmm. so whatever your version of that is, whether uh, food, shelter, clothing is a cardboard box or a mansion, Uh, food out of a dumpster or gourmet meal, uh, whatever your version is, you are, as a human being, and this is absolutely normal and natural, you are going to seek to fulfill those basic needs for survival. And because you have basic needs for survival, you're always going to put conditions on things. It's just natural. It's how it's needs to be because it is these conditions that are uh, that help you to understand and recognize your shadow and of course then when you get to know your shadow and you can see how the shadow highlights that light that is within you you get to know your light 
and then all kinds of extraordinary evolutionary things happen. So conditions in relation to human beings are built into the program, so to speak. So they cannot Mm. be avoided, beloved. They can be lessened as your shadow transforms. You place less conditions on yourself and your relationships and even your endeavors. Uh, You start to recognize your expectations for what they are, they become more uh, in the correct proportion to your life and the situation, but you will always have uh, conditions. And so love will also be filtered through those conditions. But that's all right, because that's what it is to be human, beloved. That's why we not just me, but others like me, stick around and serve humanity with unconditional love so that there's always that uh, sort of port in the storm that you can go to, that place of refuge where you can be 100% accepted and loved for exactly who you are, even if you are unable to give that to others or others are unable to give that to you, there is always something in your life that loves you and accepts you unconditionally. Mm? Mm, Yes. I love the use of the word correct proportion to your life. I was thinking uh, along the lines of limitations. Um, Can limitations get in the way when you have too many conditions and you're limiting what you allow in? Is that true? Correct? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. limitation, again, is also um, one of those things that helps to um, regulate your evolution, right? So the more limited you feel, the less you're willing to risk and sort of, uh, you know, strike out and try something bold or different. Um, but it's the way the shadow helps to uh, slow things down and make sure that your evolution is steady and constant or consistent uh, and not this big race to the finish that would uh, really burn you out. Too much of that pure white light of creation tends to burn you out. So that's why it is um, tempered or softened with the energy of love. Okay. Um, can I ask a question on unrequited love, Mother? Yes, beloved. Okay. Well, um, in in my journey, I have experienced this, and um, Jesus mentioned not too long ago that it teaches us about true love. Could would you like to add to that and explain what what that means about how not getting what you hope and expect to you. Does that bring you closer to yourself, to God? What does that do in not getting Well, it's like uh, in childhood, right? When you want uh, candy and your uh, parent, one or the other or both, says, no, not today, not now. Now, these are small ways, uh, or you want a toy to be purchased, and they say, no, we can't do that right now, mm-hmm. or ever. 
it's how children learn disappointment, right? that they are not going to get everything in life that they might want. And um, it begins to teach the basics of life and uh, ultimately or eventually life outside of the home with parents. So in the case of Candy, the parent knows that um, too much of that is not good for your teeth, your health, and so they are always trying to regulate maybe your candy intake. And with the toy, maybe your parents don't have the money. And as uh, you grow, you begin to learn that uh, individual families or individuals do not have unlimited supplies of money, that you cannot have or that money even exists and you have to have it in order to purchase the toy. So these are ways to cope with disappointment, but also to teach you about life and about the world. So when it comes to unrequited love as an adult, it gives you the opportunity, first of all, just to feel love, which is always very positive, but it also gives you uh, another um, sort of deeper feeling of disappointment, but only because uh, what you're being shown is that you cannot control another person. You cannot make them love you or want you. And the child inside can still believe that uh, if you try hard enough, if you dance a certain way uh, to get their attention, um, and I use the word dance in a broader uh, scope, uh, that if you get their attention, they'll fall in love with you. If you do something, they are going to give you what you want. And mm. unrequited love tells you that no, beloved, you cannot control another. You cannot make them want you or love you or stay with you if they want to go. But what it does show you that, well, it gives you that opportunity to recognize the true love of letting go, of letting them be themselves, recognizing that you have been um, somehow overwhelmed with this love or this feeling, maybe when you dig deeper into your own version of love, you'll find that what you felt towards that person was not love. But mm-hmm. maybe it was a possessive kind of lust that you wanted to obtain them. Or if you could have someone like that, wow, that would say good things about you. It's an opportunity to see yourself. And that is the true, deep love. That is the love uh, when God is saying to you, this person is not for you, beloved. I know you want them. I know you want them badly. And you think about them. You dream about them. You fantasize about them. You want, you want, you want. And it hurts. The want is so deep sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that true love, the way we love you, is sometimes to say, it's better not to have this person because you don't know what's coming, but we do. And while it feels like you're the child 
and we're not giving you the candy or the toy that you want. Because trust me, when I tell you, it's just as painful for the three-year-old as it is for the 33-year-old, all right? Uh, disappointment, being thwarted, not having expectations met, there is always a level of pain in disappointment. Mm-hmm. But that true love of recognizing that you cannot always have what you want, but that ultimately you are getting what you need. You may just not be able to recognize it in the moment because we know more of what's coming or what that person really is like, and you don't. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? All of it. I, I have um, known several people who you know felt that way, but the reality of it was if they had stayed with that person or married that person, their life would have been worse than yeah. where where it was with the person they chose. And and so I I developed a pretty healthy relationship with looking at things in a different way that perhaps you dodged um, a, a catastrophe there. Perhaps um, you don't know what's in your best interest. The hard part, though, and I can I can pose this question across the board, whether it's somebody set their expectations on getting a job, someone set their heart on um, – a relationship getting off the ground and continuing um, because they feel they're in love with the person and not just the idea of that person. Um, Someone who experiences any level of disappointment and we become fixated on that disappointment, on that object that we wanted to possess, be it a person, a place, a thing. What is difficult is getting that out of your mind. How do we let it go is that saturating the subconscious mind? Is there a meditation technique to let go of the what, what is at the center of that disappointment, no matter what form it took? Yes, all of that. You can uh, meditate on surrendering that person. I like to imagine that you're holding them in your arms and you're giving them to God or you're placing them at God's feet or at my feet or uh, it's a symbolic gesture of of Mm -hmm. surrendering that person and all that you feel about them, all they represent for you, you are turning it over, you are surrendering it. You can meditate on feeling this person moving on with their life feeling yourself moving on with your life in a different direction and that there are good things waiting for each of you but just in a different direction. And it's also good, let me just mention uh, one more thing with requited love, unrequited love, that sometimes when you make agreements before you come to the body, you choose to journey with certain people to have certain Uh, experiences with them, sometimes agreements that are made before incarnation, they change. People change. Once you get to the body that you've chosen and 20, 30 years pass, um, things don't go always the way you think they're going to go, even when you're out of a body. Just because you are out of a body and in spirit does not mean that you know everything. It does not mean that you see every possible uh, event in the future. 
you are still evolving. You are still in the human wheel of karma. So you have not the ability to predict everything. So sometimes you make agreements, and one of you recognizes the agreement and wants to fulfill it, and the other does not. Sometimes it is just that simple that things have changed, and the person who all of a sudden doesn't want it, there's nothing you can do to change that. Sometimes that can be a comfort to recognize that uh, they have lived their life in such a way that it became impossible for them to fulfill the original agreement between you so that you don't feel like a crazy person for uh, falling so much in love or feeling this deep uh, connection with them emotionally or energetically that they don't return. Yes, sometimes there are things about possession and obsession and uh-huh. all the other things I mentioned before, but sometimes, plain and simple, your feeling, the energy of that pre-life agreement, and they are not. And there's just that recognition that as a human, you all have free choice. And they have used their free choice in a different way than you have used yours. And that is all right to let it go and move on. Because here's the beauty of life. That saying whatever you needed from that person, the reason you made that agreement in the first place, you are going to be able to find it with someone else. The, ch- the names change, the, the faces change, but what you need in any particular lifetime is always provided for you. That totally softens the sharp edges that we experience when we can't get someone like that out of our minds because there is that question of why, but why, but why, and it, it permeates. The you're like you said the dreams sometimes um, when you're not thinking of anything in particular that person can come to mind or um, a sad movie a, a song or a, a feeling just feeling an emotion you can feel you can feel the previous emotion that much more acutely and get you further in touch with that which you're supposed to be letting go of but you're right that is a very very simple way of putting it and everybody will find that comforting because I think it does answer the question completely and it is beautiful in its simplicity that I think a lot of us as we are on this journey um, feel that a contract is a contract and it's supposed to go a certain way. I have heard of the notion that things can change. I didn't, I may, perhaps I didn't want to believe it. Perhaps Mm -hmm. I didn't want to believe it because in my situation, I felt it so deeply, even at the age of 10, for a person that I wouldn't meet until I was 22. And yeah. so when it all came together, I painted it with a, a paintbrush that said, oh, this is meant to be, and it was not. Yes, and indeed. So it was very painful. Yes. Okay. Always. Thank you. And the last recommendation is uh, when why is being used like you just said it, that was beautifully put, why, 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 why 
uh, when why becomes an obsession, let it go, because then why becomes a black hole that is very, very hard to climb out of. So be careful of how you are using that one little three-letter word. Jesus says to... If you need to know something, trust that it will be revealed. And you don't have to obsess about why. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus says there's there's not a very good answer for why because it's... Hello? Hello? I am unable to hear. All right. I'm going to go, beloved. I love you. I love you. I love you. Namaste. Hi, Mother. Here I am. I'm sorry. Are you still there? Oh, sorry. It's okay. Yeah, sorry. She left. She said oh, that. She, she said, did. She, okay. she said, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> okay. I was, uh, okay, so um, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her, and I love her too, and we all, I, I hope we all enjoyed that. Um, so when the connection started to wobble, I started to worry, and so I thought we would make it till she said namaste. Anyway, um, but I lost my connection. But what I was saying was that um, Jesus has explained to me that, you know, to ask why is to ask what did I do to the, to the deserve this. And it's mm, not about yeah. deserving. And like right. Mother says, it's, it's not about getting what you want. It's about getting what you need. And so yeah. the proper question then is to ask what is this for? And so right. in asking the question that way, those answers can be revealed to you. But in asking a static question like, but why, what did I do? You did nothing wrong. Right. But there was something right, you right, needed. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. What, what is this for? I like that. That's, that's well, well put. Well put. It works. It works because it does take you out of that black hole. Because there's mm-hmm. no way I to understand agree. all the thousands of things that contributed to that one event. Yeah. I just but say, you can I understand what mother, you got out of it. Yeah. I just asked Mother. I just say, show me. You know, whatever you want to show me, just show me. That's that's. I just, yeah. I don't even ask anymore. <laughs> I I rarely I ask less and less. Um, I don't yeah. experience a state of confusion, um, yeah. like I used to. And there's a trust, and there is a um, calm that you know is always available. Yeah. And that level of peace. I get upset. I get angry. I stop my foot sometimes. But oh gosh, yes. I, but I always come back to peace, and generally a lot more quickly than I would in my younger years. So, yeah. Yeah. especially when it comes to big events, um, like something tragic can happen, and it's astounding that how the small things can really get you riled up, but then the larger things, you can get back to peace quicker because there's this inner knowing that it's okay. 
Yeah. But the small yeah. things, you get into that, why this, why me, why now, why this again, it'll drive you nuts. Yeah, it does. It does. And it, and it's really just an energy suck. I mean, it, you know, because uh, if you're not getting the answers, then you got to stop asking the question long enough to hear the answer, just, you know, you to, to find that, that place right. of listening rather than talking. Right. Well, this was wonderful, and I know we went over, so I want to do our sign-off. So everybody visit BelovedPublications.com to learn more about her uh, Mother Mary and Danielle's uh, classes, events, and um, her book, and visit SpiritualInsightsRadio.com to visit the archives. Let us know what you think about the show, the transmissions. We'd all love to hear from you. Anything to add, Danielle? Just want to say thanks for letting me be here again. It was awesome. Love you. This was um, profound, I yeah, think. This I was really deep, and I appreciate your extra t- extra time. And I love you as well very, very much. <laughs> thanks, honey. And I'll talk to you next month. Sounds great. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Sorry for the quality. Ugh. I'm figuring it out. My energy must have bottomed out or spiked or something. So I know this sounded weird, but uh, I'll see what I can do to fix it. In any event, um, we all love you, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and taking this information to heart. I hope that you do take Mother's suggestion to do the automatic writing, to get to the core of what you feel about love um, to be and what you need from it, what you need it to represent for you so that you can feel it at all times. So until next time, God bless and be at peace.